I think most of us are familiar with the story of Joseph. It is one of my favorite characters and stories in the entire Bible. If you're wanting to re-familiarize yourself with that story, it's found in Genesis chapter 37 through chapter 50. The question that I want to ask you today is this. How does God's grace tie in with the story of Joseph? And the answer to that question is really simple. It's, it's this. Practically every turn that Joseph takes in his life, you can see the grace of God in abundant supply. One person said it this way, there's never a moment when you don't need grace, and there's never a moment when lavish grace isn't available. Think about that. I know it's true in Joseph's life. I think we will find that to be true in your life and my life as well. I have three points for you today. The first point is this. God's grace sustains us through hard times. And Joseph had all kinds of hard times. You remember at age 17, his brothers sold him as a slave into Egypt. And all of a sudden, he went from being his father's favorite child to becoming his father's dead child. Or at least it seemed that way. That's what Jacob was led to believe. His brothers, Joseph's brothers, came back to Jacob with his coat, with Joseph's coat of many colors. They had ripped it into shreds. They had dipped it in goat's blood. And they fed Jacob the line that apparently Joseph had been killed by a wild animal. Now you can imagine Jacob at that point just falling to pieces. And I'm just wondering in my mind, did his brothers, did Joseph's brothers, as they watched Jacob grieve for, their, for his son, did they have any guilt whatsoever? In the meantime, Joseph was on his way to Egypt. I want you to put yourself in his shoes for just a moment. Joseph was scared. He was uncertain of what his future would be. He was hurt by his brother's betrayal and rejection of him. He was alone. He was young. Already he is missing the love of his father. But this was only the beginning of Joseph's trials. When he got to Egypt, he was put on the the auction block and a fellow by the name of Potiphar bought him like he was a piece of property. Thus he began the life of a slave, which couldn't have been easy. And yet I get the idea through all of Joseph's hardships that God's grace was sustaining him. He wasn't giving up. He wasn't giving in and throwing a pity party for himself. The scripture says that the Lord was with Joseph. That's Genesis chapter 39 verse 3. It didn't take Potiphar long for for him to see that Joseph was an extraordinary slave. Everything he touched seemed to turn to gold. The text says that the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. The crops were good. I mean, everything was good. In fact, it had never been better for Potiphar. And he recognized that this newfound success that he was enjoying was largely due to Joseph. And so he put Joseph in charge of his whole household. 
Well, somebody else noticed Joseph too. Potiphar's wife noticed him. The text says that Joseph, she saw him as one who was handsome in form and appearance. In other words, Joseph was a very good-looking young man. And it had not escaped Mrs. Potiphar's attention. And so she began to try and seduce him. And things were about to go downhill for Joseph once again. He refused her. He said to her, your husband has put me in charge over everything and he has withheld nothing from me except you. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? You read the story of Joseph and you see a man full of integrity. You see a man of character. He was the kind of guy that you'd like for your daughter to date and marry. Well, Potiphar's wife was not accustomed to hearing the word no. She grabbed Joseph at an opportune time and tried to force him to be with her, but Joseph escaped. The scripture says that he ran away, which, by the way, is a very good thing for you and I to do when we are facing that kind of temptation. Too often, we stick around and we try to play with fire and we try to get as close to the edge as what we can get. And you know what happens when we play with fire? Oftentimes, we get burned. There are times we just need to run away, as Joseph did. And you know the story. Things were going to go from bad to worse for Joseph at this point. Potiphar's wife accused him of trying to rape her. Joseph ended up in prison, and there he sat, paying a high price for a crime that he didn't commit. And yet God's grace continued to sustain him. I'll say it again, there is never a moment when you don't need God's grace and there is never a moment when lavish grace isn't available. Do you remember what happened next in the story of Joseph? Joseph rose to the top again inside of that prison cell. The old saying, the cream rises to the top. Well, Joseph was that cream. His integrity and and the Lord's grace in his life help him to rise to the top in that jail cell. Let me read to you Genesis 39, verses 21 through 23. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. And the chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made him to prosper. You see, Joseph is on this roller coaster ride. He's up and then he's down. And whenever he would get to the top, it wouldn't be long before he would knock, be knocked down to the bottom. Well, he thought he had a chance to get out of this jail. Remember, he interpreted the dreams of the butler and the baker, and and it was the butler that promised him, I will remember you. He didn't. He forgot all about Joseph. And there Joseph sat in that jail cell for two long 
years. It was one hardship after another for Joseph. One disappointment piled on top of another. And that was the story of Joseph's life. But the one thing that Joseph could count on was God's grace. God's grace would always be there to sustain him. There is never a moment when you don't need God's grace, and there is never a moment when lavish grace isn't available. Have you experienced God's grace in your life? I know you have. I hope that we recognize that. He wants to lavish his grace upon us. He wants to sustain us through our hardships that we go through. And we, right here in this room, we have lots and lots of people who have gone through hardships or are going through hardships right now. And we need to recognize this fact. It is God's grace that will get us through those hardships. Psalms 55.22 says, Cast your burden upon the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. What hardship is it that you're facing? Is it sickness? God's grace will sustain you. His grace, grace is sufficient for you. Is it the loss of someone that you love? Know this, that God... God's grace will get you through that loss. God's grace will hold you up. His grace is sufficient for you. Is it financial stress that you're dealing with? Is it marital stress that you're dealing with? Maybe it's the stress of being a parent. His grace is sufficient for you if you turn to him and hold on to him. There is never a moment that you don't need God's grace. And there is never a moment that lavish grace isn't available to you. Whatever you're going through, look to God. For his amazing grace is what will get you through those hard times. There's a second point from this story that I want to give to you. And that is this. God's grace helps us forgive those who have offended us. And certainly Joseph had some forgiving to do, didn't he? He was apart from his father for 22 years because of what his brothers did to him, not to mention all of the extra hardships that he went through because of what his brothers had done to him. And Joseph could have been very vengeful towards his brothers as they came into Egypt and stood before him, but instead he chose to extend grace to them. He chose to forgive them. If you're not familiar with Joseph's story, it really is a must read for you. Joseph rose to the top again. Except this time it wasn't over a household. It wasn't over a jail cell. It was over an entire nation. He came to the top of Egypt. He was the number two man in the land of Egypt next to Pharaoh himself. And there was a great famine in the land. 
and the world was hungry. The world was without food. And, and the world knew that Egypt was the place to go to if you needed food. And so Joseph's brothers came to Egypt to buy grain for their families. And wouldn't you know it, it was Joseph whom they had to stand before and deal with. Well, he recognized them, but they didn't recognize him. And he had the power to get even with them. He had the opportunity to take revenge upon them. And who would have blamed him? But instead, he offered grace to them. And and I'm wondering in my mind, how did he find the strength and the will to do that? Do you know the answer to that question? It was by God's grace in him. So not only does God's grace sustain us through hardships, also God's grace gives us the strength and the willingness and the, and the understanding that we need to forgive those who have offended us. God's grace gives us the help that we need in offering forgiveness. It helps us do the impossible. It helps us do the unthinkable. And I would imagine that in this crowd today, there are some folks who are carrying grudges. And probably some of you who are carrying grudges, you feel like you have good reason to carry a grudge. You've been done wrong. You've been cheated. You've been mistreated. You've been lied to. You are justified in carrying a grudge. So you think. Would you listen to the following testimony as to how one person was set free by her decision to forgive? I'm the fourth and youngest born into an alcoholic family. When I would ask my mother when my dad's drinking got bad, about the time you were born was the answer I would receive. I witnessed and experienced much abuse and violence in my childhood. I was told things like, I can't stand you, I don't love you, and even I wish I weren't your daughter. Um, And getting beaten was something that we all experienced. Um, While my mother was mostly the target of that, my siblings and I also were beaten. Um, My sister was strangled once. My dad tried to shoot me. Um, A few days after I turned 17, I overheard my father, who thought no one was home, with one of his friends going over the plans to burn down our house that night. He worked midnights. It was a perfect alibi, and he was going to kill us, my mother, my sister, and I, while we slept. Uh, He had cut our phone line, so I couldn't call for help, and Ultimately, my mom and my sister and I ran for our lives that day. Um, Over the years, I had limited and awkward communication with my dad. I'm guessing five or six times I saw him over the next 25 years. Having grandchildren helped. He gave us something to talk about. And while our relationship was surfacy, it got a little better each time I saw him. For many years now, I have helped sponsor Christ in Youth, and this summer was no different. Um, The theme this year was the Lord's Prayer, based off of Matthew 6, 9-13. So right off the bat, we have to talk about fathers. 
God is our Heavenly Father, and there are a lot of bad earthly fathers out there, which was not easy for me to hear. Another topic that was really talked about um, was forgiveness, also not easy for me. One particular night, though, when, when it was the forgiveness day, I guess you could say, um, instead of having a speaker, they had youth sponsors or leaders give some testimonies. There was a woman telling her story, and it was very similar to mine. She talked about how she had never actually told her father she had forgiven him. That hit home. And she had also talked about how she'd never asked him for forgiveness when she said she hated him. Again, that also hit home. The trip between Fort Scott and Cleveland, Tennessee, where we go to CIY, takes you right through my hometown of Marion, Illinois. Every year, Dusty and I go. We stop in Marion because they have the world's best pizza and the world's best cookies and cupcakes. Sorry, Jamie. Um, and this trip was no different. We stopped on our way to Cleveland, Tennessee, and we planned to stop on our way home. But on the particular night when SDIY, when we were talking about forgiveness, I was really kind of feeling God's call leading or stirring in my heart. So I leaned over to Dusty and I said, you know, since we're going through Marion anyway, maybe I should call my dad and try to meet up with him to tell him that I forgive him. However, that's when the internal battle really began. Over the next three days, I had a, yes, I should, no, I shouldn't, yes, I should, no, I shouldn't debate over and over and over. Ultimately, though, I decided I wasn't going to call him. So we're on our way home from Tennessee, and we stop in Marion to get our pizza. And while my attention was drawn to the seating hostess, I heard Dusty whisper in my ear, Amy, your dad is here. I looked over, and sure enough, there he was, right there, right by the entrance. Long story short, there was no reason we should have walked in that particular part of the restaurant. We had ordered our pizza for takeout, and you normally go in a different area, not even a part of the restaurant. And also, there was no reason he should have been there. He was planning to go to another restaurant that is never full, but on this particular day, it was. So he went to Walt's Pizza. The timing was just bewildering. It was clearly orchestrated by God. In my head, I said, okay, God, I guess you want me to talk to my dad. We sat and we t ate together for probably an hour, and my heart was pounding out of my chest. I didn't taste a single bite of that pizza. I was so freaked out. When it was time for us to leave, Dad walked us to our van, but he left his credit card inside with the waitress. So he turned to go back into the restaurant, and I said, Dad, I need to talk to you privately about something, so I'll wait for you by the door. At this point, honestly, I wanted to vomit. I was so nervous. However, while I was standing there, it finally dawned on me that God had orchestrated this. God, you did this. You just did this. You're here with me, and I have nothing to be afraid of. Immediately, I was calm, and I had peace. When my dad came back out of the restaurant, I started talking to him just about how even though we act like we both have forgiven each other, I thought it was really important that I actually say, Dad, I forgive you. To which he replied, you know, I've never actually said I'm sorry. None of that was your fault. So we talked about that and just again, you know, I think I probably said it four or five times, you know, I just really want you to know and hear me say that I forgive you, Dad. And he several times to respond back with, I'm really sorry. But then it came time for me to say the next part. Dad, 
I also need to tell you, or I need to ask for your forgiveness. To which he immediately argued, you have nothing to be forgiven for. But I said, Dad, I told you I hated you, and I had no right to say that, and I'm sure that must have hurt your feelings, which I don't honestly even know why I said that, because I assumed he never even really cared. But he replied, yes, it did hurt. And I know this may sound crazy, but that made me really happy to hear. All those years, he had cared enough about me to be hurt when I was mean to him. And that was pretty cool. So after a little more talking about just different things, I don't know why he did it, but he put his hands on my shoulders and he looked me in my eyes and he said, you are a beautiful woman inside and out. Wow, he'd never said anything like that to me before. And that was really cool. We hugged a long, deep hug and we said our goodbyes. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who are called according to him and his purpose. God had orchestrated that entire thing. I was able to forgive my dad because he had orchestrated those events, but he didn't just orchestrate the timing of that day. Long ago, Jesus directed that I forgive in his teaching. So ultimately, I had forgiven my dad a long time ago because I'm a Christian. Christ forgave me first. But it's pretty cool that he allowed me to be a participant in extending that same forgiveness to someone who really needed to hear it. Wow. Amen. Let me read to you some verses from God's Word. Ephesians chapter 4, 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Matthew 6.14 and 15, for if you forgive men for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Brothers and sisters, we must forgive our offender. And we believe that God gives to us the grace to be able to do that. We cannot forgive on our own strength. In so many cases, the hurt is too deep. But there is no pit so deep that God's grace isn't deeper still. His grace is enough. His grace is sufficient to help us forgive. How freeing this could be for you if you would choose to let go of your grudges. To not let go is to stay in bondage. To hold on to your grudge is to hurt yourself. 
An old Chinese proverb says it this way, those who cannot forgive others break the bridge over which they themselves must pass. I have good news for you today. The grace of God gives us the strength that we need to forgive those who have offended us. There is never a moment that we don't need God's grace. There is never a moment that lavish grace isn't available. Let me give to you a third point from the story of Joseph. God's grace can bring a family back together again. And if you read his story, you'll read about a family being reunited after 22 long years. Joseph and Jacob, you ought to read it as they come back together again. What a sweet reunion it was. And as Joseph and his brothers come together again, what a sweet reunion it was because of God's grace in Joseph's life. And Joseph, in turn, extended grace to his brothers. I can't help but think that there are some families represented here today that need to be reunited. Maybe there are some husbands and wives that need to come together again in forgiveness. Maybe there are some moms and dads who, who need to be reunited with their sons or their daughters. And maybe there are some siblings here who need to be reunited in their spirit to have some grudges let go of. I want you to know God's grace is available and it is sufficient enough to bring families back together again if we would just choose to go His way instead of our way. As I come to the conclusion of the sermon today, I I want to speak to you about the bags, the baggage that we oftentimes carry in our life. Lots of us carry baggage. And if we're not careful, we'll just keep adding to the baggage. And we never really deal with it. We just keep adding to the baggage and it gets heavier and heavier and heavier And it will eventually break us down if we don't take our baggage to the foot of the cross. And the baggage comes in all kinds of shapes and sizes. Sometimes it's in the form of a sin, a bitter spirit, jealousy, a temper problem, a drinking problem. A pornography problem. An immorality problem. Maybe it's selfishness. Maybe it's greed. Maybe maybe it's worry. And we just keep adding to the baggage. And it gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And if we don't deal with it, if we don't take it to the foot of the cross, it will break us down. And then... Sometimes the baggage is not in the form of a sin so much as it is in the form of a burden. A broken relationship that we've never taken care of and we've never 
worked our way through that. A a divorce, abuse in our past, the death of a family member, the loss of a job. I mean, one burden after another that we deal with in our life, just like Joseph, going from one valley to another. And if we don't deal with our burdens, if we don't take our burdens to the foot of the cross, the baggage gets so heavy that it will break us down. It takes away the quality of life that God wants us to have. And so today, as we have an invitation song actually sung to us, my challenge to you is to bring your baggage whether it be a sin or whether it be a burden that is weighing you down, would you choose to bring it to the foot of the cross? Maybe you have a a bag like this representing that sin or that burden that is weighing you down. If not, grab a paper from inside of your bulletin or a paper from one of these stations and all of us have this baggage that we are carrying. Jesus says, cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. We need to give him our baggage in exchange for his grace. Would you have the courage to bring your baggage to the foot of the cross? Or if you have it written on a piece of paper, there's bags right here that you can bring representing that you are laying your burden down. You are bringing your sin to the foot of the cross, realizing that Jesus is the one who can take care of this. Know this. There is never a moment that we don't need God's grace. And there is never a moment when lavish grace 